Welcome to Punditocracy! Oh my god. Oh Jesus. By, by Glenn Beck's bleeding hemorrhoid, we are back. For the six people who actually care, we are back. For the, for the tiny cadre of people who even noticed that we were gone to begin with. By gum, we're back. And who are we? I am Gavin, and joining us on furlough from San Francisco, Aaron Wiley. What's up? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, we, first of all, apologize to everyone for our lengthy abscess. Our lengthy abscess. abscess. Again, That's what right. you would find in uh, Glenn Beck's ass. Um, have you heard about Glenn Beck's ass surgery, by the way? I, no, I have Yeah, not. Glenn Beck... Uh, Renowned CNN headline news uh, commentator uh, had a very painful botched hemorrhoid surgery and uh, posted a video about it on YouTube. And so, you know, much love to Glenn Beck and his uh, hemorrhaging ass. Gotta love YouTube. (laughs) But uh, while we've been gone, and it has been a while, so many things have transpired. We're just going to focus completely on the presidential primaries. And, I mean... Because let's face it, there's really nothing else yeah. of importance in the political realm right now. No, so. in fact, the world. Right. There's nothing else going on in the world. And there probably won't be until the election actually happens. Yes. Or we invade Iran in the interim. But even if we do invade Iran, it's uh, going to come in a distant second uh, to whatever new negative ad Mitt Romney releases that week. I don't think we're going to invade Iran. <laughs> we might get to that later. Uh, but let's start with politics. I don't think George Bush has the balls. Uh, so I'm calling out George Bush. You don't need one. balls. You just need stupidity. And he has that in spades. He has a wheelbarrow full of stupidity. Uh, this is true. Uh, but the election. Honestly. Yeah, the election. Okay. Uh, let's just break it. Let's divide it up into uh, the Democratic and the Republican sides. Well, and it, it's much more... Um, the Republican side is is the interesting race at this point. Uh, I think the Democratic side, it's uh, very uh, very clear that it's either going to be Hillary or Obak. Obak. That's what I call him. Obak. Is this some sort of new pig Latin that you picked up in California? Obak? I mean, I knew that the coastal elites had their own language and like to talk above us flyover country people, but That's Obak? Right. Obak. Uh, That's uh, my nickname for him. Obak. Okay, Obak. Well, but Miller. Barack Obama, if, yeah. you know, for... Well, okay, well, we'll get, the, we'll get there, the dull so. one out of this. Well, relatively speaking, we'll get the Democrats out of the way first. Well, it's not completely dull. I mean, no, it's, no. It's in fact, it's, it's, a a lot more, it's a lot more fluid than I anticipated it's, it being. It's going to be a race that's going to come down uh, down to the end, and it is still extremely unclear at this point um, yeah. which of the two is going to come out yeah. on top. Uh, John Edwards... I think he thinks maybe he has a shot to be sort of a comeback kid, uh, but that's not. Yeah, the only thing I can think about Edwards is that he's either angling for a cabinet position or he's trying to steer the uh, course of the debate. Uh, I'm not sure, but I really have a difficult time seeing how he fits into this and how he can cobble together enough delegates to win the nomination. I just don't see it. Well, I don't see it either. Again, I I think uh, you're correct that – a lot of it probably has to do with personal ambition. Um, he probably feels that he might have a chance at maybe possibly a VP nomination again, although that's pretty unlikely. Um, yeah, I mean, why would you really want to be a vice presidential candidate twice in a row? Well, I just don't know that Hillary or Barack would 
even want him yeah. as a VP. I mean, he didn't really do such a good job for Kerry yeah. at 2004. Um, what makes anybody think that he would be sort of a, a savior this time around? I think that has more to do with the flaws of Kerry as a candidate and muzzling Edwards. At least that's what Edwards would say. But uh, let's backtrack a little bit. Okay. Uh, do a little bit of uh, post-mortem on the primary season thus far. Iowa... Uh, I don't think anybody really expected Obama to do as well as he did in Iowa. He pulled in a lot of first-time voters, young voters, independents, and nearly had a double-digit victory over... Well, yeah, uh, he came in first, Edwards came in second, and Clinton came in third. Like, And a lot of people, myself included at the time, thought that a third-place finish for uh, Clinton was pretty much it. Like, I thought that she was written off. I thought, like... New Hampshire would just fall lockstep behind the Iowa results like they did in 2004. However, that is a uh, a big pile of shit that myself and a bunch of other analysts and pundits stepped into. Uh, this race is unlike anything that's happened in probably 60 years in that both the Republican and Democrats are uh, contesting the nomination. Uh, so nobody really fucking knows what's going to happen. Um, and, and I agree with you as well. Uh, leading up to... Um to Iowa, I was not as surprised at all that uh, Barack Obama finished as strong as he did. Um, I was a little surprised that Hillary um, ended up third. And, you know, I wasn't going to write her off. Um, I sort of had a, a gut feeling that uh, she was not going to win in New Hampshire. Uh, the polling was suggesting that uh, it would be a, a relatively easy victory for Barack. Um but she threw everything that she had at the New Hampshire primary. I mean, that was always her fail-safe plan. Um, she she knew, I think, leading up in um, you know the last couple of weeks prior to Iowa that she wasn't going to win in Iowa, yeah. and that if she had any chance of uh, getting the Democratic nomination, she was going to have to finish strong in New Hampshire. And I think at that point, when she refocused on New Hampshire, that's what really made the difference. Here's the thing, though, and... Uh, again, this is where I eat a crow-filled humble pie. Um, all of the polling for New Hampshire showed Obama winning sometimes by double digits. Yes, this is true. There, there was no national poll that showed Clinton winning in New Hampshire. No. Um, and even the Clinton campaign, their internal polling showed that she was going to come in second, if not third. Uh, and so they were preparing for that loss and then just trying to build up a firewall for uh, Super Duper Tuesday. And lo and behold, every single polling outfit was wildly, wildly off, which um, nobody's quite sure what happened. Uh, a lot of it probably has to do with um, men and independents being overpolled in New Hampshire as opposed to women. Uh, some people, like Dennis Kucinich, think they were vote fraud <laughs> They're contesting the count, which is just kind of an odd little sideshow for New Hampshire. And uh, more than likely, it's just that some of the theories I've heard, Clinton was always going to win. It's just that her margin was uh, very slight. She only won by two percentage points, let's remember. Uh, it's just that Obama's victory did give him a bump. And he just finished a lot stronger second place than he originally would have after Iowa. It's just that Clinton had a better ground game in New Hampshire and got more women out. And, oh, by the way, speaking of the female vote, this leads to um, <laughs> Waterworks Gate. When Clinton got teary-eyed on the campaign trail in New Hampshire and you had all the pundits jumping on her uh, for no particular reason. She's a woman who cried. 
And so that was a big news story. Because, like, you know, that's kind of what women do. Yes. Is they sit around and cry. But yeah. Yes. Uh, they, yeah, they, <laughs> they menstruate. They cry. They make sandwiches. <laughs> At least that – I mean that is kind of the gist of the media coverage after she got – and by the way, she didn't cry. She just got a little emotional and her voice cracked a little bit. Uh, but the cable news networks and online media just went bananas. Like, there's wall-to-wall coverage of this. Like, uh, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, they're, they're. the implication being nobody came right out and said it. I'm sure maybe Rush Limbaugh or somebody does that. Oh, she's unfit to be commander-in-chief. You, know, yeah. you, you can't do that. You just can't. Right. Uh, but a lot of people suspect that that negative coverage of her getting emotional created a huge tsunami of backlash <laughs> and actually swayed a lot more people uh, to Clinton's side. And especially to the female vote, which she won in New Hampshire pretty handily. She actually lost the female vote in Iowa, in Iowa. to Obama. Uh, but just well, New Hampshire just being its own little fiefdom, like you never know what they're going to do. And right. uh, again, I look like an ass after making my predictions for the Democratic wow. side. Um, what do you think? Do you think her little emotional outburst was that calculated? No, I, I don't. It could have been calculated. Um, if and so, she, she is a genius. And she could have committed vote fraud. I wouldn't put it past her. Um, <laughs> but no, I think at the end of the day, what it really comes down to was her focus on New Hampshire. She had a great ground campaign there. She she knew, you know, months ago that New Hampshire was going to sort of make or break her campaign. Her firewall, the other, as they say. Um, or be the savior of her campaign if she lost in Iowa. And I think that just all that effort paid off. And... Sure, the polling indicated that she was going to lose, but you know it's not the first time that a poll conducted is different than the end result. I mean, let's take a look at 2004, for instance, when everybody thought that John Kerry was going to win. That polling indicated um, exit polling indicated that he was going to beat George Bush. That didn't happen. Um, So I don't know. Um, It'll be very interesting to see where we go from here. Um, and it's it's still wide open, yeah. and I think it's really going to come down to Super Tuesday, and we might not even know after Super Tuesday because I have the suspicion that um, Hillary and Barack may – they're both going to win several states, I think. So we'll just have to sort of wait and see. Yeah. Um, the next contest, this, uh, this Saturday, uh, if I recall correctly, you have both the Nevada caucus and the South Carolina primary. Right. Obama is expected to win South Carolina. Nevada is pretty much a toss-up right now, according to the polls. But again, can't be trusted. Um, but either way, it is sort of a two-person jockeying uh, and just fluctuating up and down between Obama and Clinton. Uh, and also, it should be noted that there was a a Michigan uh, caucus. Caucus or primary? I, I actually don't remember for sure. But... Um, <laughs> Since Michigan moved their date up, the Democratic National Committee stripped them of delegates and will not seat them at the convention. So uh, Obama and Edwards actually dropped off of the ballot in Michigan on the Democratic side. So Clinton was basically running unopposed. uh, Yeah, actually unopposed because Richardson was going to be on it too, but he just dropped out now. So, But the the thing is, Clinton only got uh, about 55% of the vote. Against uncommitted. <laughs> against, right. <laughs> against nobody. Right. So that was kind of 
a warning shot across her about maybe we'll see right well and i think when we go back to polling as well too i mean i i really have to feel that a, a lot of people really might not have completely made up their minds when they go and vote in these things they they may indicate uh that they want to say vote for hillary and then sort of in the last uh hours before they go in and vote they think about it they change who they're going to go for um, it's just that kind of race, and I don't think, um, as you said earlier, we haven't really ever seen anything like this, um, and it's just going to continue to be like it, and I, I really have. I mean, to me, it's it's 50-50. Um, I think at the end of the day, Hillary Clinton's going to come out of this. Um, she has more experience, and she's a better she's a better politician basically yeah uh she's got more money behind her and she's got you know the ultimate politician of all time and her husband behind her as well um but it, it will be interesting to see what happens on super tuesday we'll be able to see uh if hillary can sort of ride the momentum of new hampshire and just sort of sweep on through the rest of the primaries that very well could happen mm. It might not. Yeah. I think it's going to be a slugfest all the way. I think uh, Obama probably will win South Carolina and probably uh, Nevada. But then Florida is up next. Clinton has uh, an advantage there. And if she wins that, that's going to give her momentum going into Super Tuesday. And, um, yeah, it's uh, just an unholy clusterfuck. Uh, However, while the Democratic side has basically, again, as I said, a two-person race going on. Right. Let's switch to the Republicans. <laughs> the Republicans have now no favored a, candidate. It's a real clusterfuck. Yeah. Uh, and they have four candidates who are very, very different when yeah. it comes to many, many issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, the GOP primary voters pretty much hate all of their candidates. And <laughs> they're unsatisfied with the field that they have. So that's why you see no clear favorite emerging. They keep vacillating back and forth. Was Well, we like aspects of this person, and we like aspects of that person, but we kind of despise them as a group. Well, so we're sh- kind of stuck with them. I'm and not- that's why you see this seesawing back and forth. I'm not necessarily sure if they're completely disgusted by their candidates. I think what's happening with Republicans is, is that most Republicans really don't know um, – you know what issues they want their party or their their party to represent. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, and after the disaster of Bush too, um, I think Republicans legitimately are, you know, wondering what their values are mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and you see how they want to, you know, how they want to go about portraying their party. I think that that's what it ultimately comes down to. There are many people that think that the Republican Party should sort of go back to that, uh, you know, evangelical sort of religious grassroots aspect That's of it. where Huckabee's picking up his support. And yet there's some people that think that the Republicans need to sort of reinforce, you know, uh, economics and foreign policy. That would be sort of more the McCain group. I'd see, um, I, I would say that And there's the, some that want to go back to sort of traditional Republicanism. I guess maybe you could put Ron Paul into that group. <laughs> I'm not sure. Ron, Ron Paul's going to be a whole other conversation. Uh, but uh, I, I do think that there is a huge enthusiasm gap between the Republicans and the Democrats. And you saw in the uh, exit polling from Iowa and New Hampshire, Democrats are getting about twice as many people out. Uh, Democrats... And you hear this from a lot of uh, hardened Democrat supporters that 
they'd be happy with any of the top three candidates. They're like so happy with this field of candidates that they have right now. It's basically like, we love them all. We're just trying to decide who do we love just that little bit more and who do we think is the most electable and, you know, uh, do we go with our heart or do we go with our head on this? Well, uh, between elect- Obama and Clinton, but on the on the Republican side, it truly and you're right. This is like a battle for the GOP's soul, right? Well, and it's much you know the Democrats- the center that they had that was cobbled together of like economic conservatives, corporatists, and evangelicals, and like the sort of foreign policy hawks right. uh, is just spinning apart, right. and they're each finding different. Like uh, McCain's picking up the neocons because of his Iraq support. Uh, Romney is picking up the you know the corporatist CEO wing, right? And Huckabee's the evangelical ground troops, and then you got Giuliani, who uh, I'm not sure who he's. At. He's really hoping that independents and moderate GOP. Yeah, I think he he would represent uh, the. He's uh, the continuation of Bush. Like I think he is the one that actually is the continuation of like. Uh, bomb the hell out of the Middle East, give a lot of tax cuts to rich people, and uh, I'm the most, you know, electable. Like, he and Clinton both had the electable argument going for uh, I kind of think Giuliani's dead in the water at this point. Although, who uh, knows? Who knows? I thought he is, that- he is leading in Florida, yeah. and I think that his uh, strategy has always been, I'm not really going to worry too much oh. about Iowa and New Hampshire, but once I win Florida, then that's going to sort of jumpstart um, – you know, jumpstart his campaign. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but, yes, it's very fascinating to me, um, you know, this this sort of internal struggle that is going on in the Republican Party right now. It's not really all that different than what the Democrats went through in, you know, 2001, 2002, when there was a huge debate on, you know, where do we go? Do we sort of go in this Bush neocon route? Do we sort of go back to our more liberal roots? I see it very much like that. Yeah. Um, no, it's true. Uh, Bush and his policies and his unpopularity have <laughs> really devastated the GOP as a party. Uh, well, it has. And, you know, he what Bush has done is he's proved that all of his policies over the last eight years have just been miserable failures. Yeah. And the Republicans cannot run on those issues anymore. They have to find something that is going to be make them electable. I think there is, you talked about with the Democrats trying to find the person who is the most electable candidates. I think the Republicans are struggling with that as well, too. Mm. Uh, would a Mike Huckabee be electable in a general election? Well, no. You know, he would argue that he might bring out enough evangelical Christians and bring out millions upon millions of people who might not have otherwise voted. Um, then, of course, there's others who think that Somebody like McCain, who's a little more moderate, could pick up independents and pick up more conservative Democrats. Um, I think that's going to be a huge issue and probably even a bigger issue as we get later in into the primary season for the Republicans. Yeah. Because the Republicans don't – they're unified on one issue. They hate Hillary Clinton. Yes. And they do not want her to be president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Therefore, let's find the person who can – who is who's – the best chance of beating her. And that was Giuliani's rationale. And that's why he has new life now after Clinton won New Hampshire. Well, I think McCain is actually that candidate. I, you know, there is some polling that would suggest that he beats Hillary Clinton head-to-head in a national election. Now, of course, you'll find different figures on different sites, and nobody really knows at this point. Um, but I think that might be why McCain has sort of researched back. And, 
is picking up votes and looks like he's going to win more primaries. Yeah. Um, well, actually, uh, this we should backtrack a little bit, and we'll do uh, now a postmortem on the GOP side of what has happened thus far. For those of you, yeah, who are listening to this and haven't looked at a newspaper in the past month, uh, Iowa, McCain. Uh, well, Huckabee won Iowa, which was a bit of you know a sea change moment for the GOP because that was, showed that the evangelicals are kind of fed up with the people with being used as again ground troops, shock troops for the GOP, just getting out the votes, but then never having their needs and their social concerns addressed while the Republicans were in office. So Huckabee wins Iowa, then McCain wins big in New Hampshire. And kind of out of nowhere, too. Yeah, I mean... This was much like Hillary winning New Hampshire. Most people really didn't think uh, that McCain was going to come back. Oh, yeah. uh, Most people thought McCain was kind of dead in the water. McCain cratered, uh, yeah, last summer. But as I said, and for those who are masochistic enough to go back through our archives, I've said for a long time, I always thought that we shouldn't count McCain out because he, when everything is said and done and all the carcasses are lying around from the primary battle, the GOP establishment has got to look at him and say, he's probably our best shot. Exactly. But they still hate him, and he's still a deeply flawed general election candidate like all of the uh, GOP Well, as I said, I mean, I I think the electability issue is a huge, huge issue with Republicans. And again... McCain, realistically, probably has the best shot of knocking off Hillary. Yeah. But, okay, let, let's uh, keep going now. Mitt Romney, who was the front runner in Iowa and New Hampshire. Well, and he's kind of— Loses qu- two in a row. He's quietly kind of ahead, though. Well, yeah, here's the, the thing, thing, though. Here's the thing. While the Democrats in Michigan uh, basically had, you know, a non-event because Obama and Edwards weren't on and Hillary was running uncontested there— it was a dogfight on the Republican side. And everyone looked at Romney and said, if he loses in Michigan, he's done. He won Michigan. He's still alive in this thing. So now you have Huckabee winning one, you have McCain winning one, and you have Romney winning one. And there's potentially Giuliani picking up Florida. And you never know. Fred Thompson don't might pick, pick up, up South, South Carolina. Carolina. So this is going to be just a delicious, delicious train wreck on the uh, Republican side. Uh, but, but going back to Michigan, a funny little um, sort of quirk of that, the Michigan uh, primaries – it was a primary now that I think of it um, – was open. Like uh, anybody could vote on either side regardless of party affiliation. So <laughs> there was a movement in the liberal blogosphere called Democrats for Mitt. And what they wanted, it is actually kind of an ingenious strategy, and it might have worked. It might have put Romney over the top. They were lobbying for Democrats to cross over into the Republican primary and vote for Romney just to give him a win and to keep him in the primary process because all of the candidates hate him on the GOP side. Like, they loathe Romney. And uh, Romney has the most money at this point with which he can run negative ads against his opponents, making everybody, including himself, look bad and just really crippling the GOP as they limp towards their uh, uh, convention, which, by the way, uh, might be a broker convention and might not settle anything. Uh, The GOP may not have a candidate (laughs) at the end of their convention. 
Um, it, it'll be very interesting to see if that happens. Yeah, so yeah. It, it, it might. Might. It might. And then who's going to swoop in? Newt Gingrich. Woo! <laughs> That's been your theory for quite a while. And at the end of the day, it's going to be Newt Gingrich is going to come in and sort of save the Republican yeah, no. Party. Uh, I, I really don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but you know what? I'm not ruling anything out. I'm really not ruling anything out. I, I'm not ruling anything out as well. I think there is a, a pretty strong possibility that McCain might run this uh, wave of momentum and uh, capture the Republican nomination after Super Tuesday. Um, but, yeah, we really have absolutely no idea. You have Mitt Romney, who is, again, sort of quietly sitting there um, and, you know, winning a pretty important state in Michigan. Um, he's still polling fairly well um, in Florida and in South Carolina. He has a very strong possibility of coming back and winning both those states. Um, you know, he appeals to a lot of moderates, a lot of social or economic conservatives, um, you have McCain, who, again, I do think most Republicans hate John McCain. Um, but at the end of the day, as I've, as I've said many times before, I think the electability factor is going to be a huge issue with him. And I think that's the only reason why he's really as popular as he is right now. Um, and then you have Huckabee. And it'll be very interesting to see in the South how he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Fred Thompson, you know, I mean the mummy. <laughs> well, we'll see. Fred Thompson uh, is experiencing a bit of a boomlet in support himself. Uh, he's slowly creeped up in the polls in South Carolina. A lot of people say he's finally found his footing as a candidate after you know being a somnambulist through a majority of the debates and through all of last year when he was like a non-announced candidate. Um, yeah, I, he's, I, he's finally found some of that law and order mojo that everybody was warning us about. Oh, he's a B-list actor like Reagan. He's got the charm and the suave aqua velva stench that Chris Matthews is so obsessed with. And he's apparently a womanizer. And actually, he listed on uh, an AP survey one of his proudest achievements, and he listed trophy wife. <laughs> really? Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> I might have to throw my support behind Fred Thompson. I find Fred Thompson to be an extremely interesting candidate. Uh, you know, here was a guy that, you know, Republicans, you know, you look back at last summer, they just, they loved this guy. I mean, they thought that he was going to come in, that he was going because to... Because they hated everyone else in the field. They thought that he was going to come in and be the savior of the Republican Party, that he was going to bring everybody together. He sort of seemed to have the uh, perfect balance of social conservatism and economic conservatism. Uh, People were saying that he was going to be the next Ronald Reagan, that he was, you know, appealing enough that he could possibly win a general election against the Democrats. And everything just seemed rosy. And then Fred Thompson just kind of waited around and waited around and everybody sort of thought that he was going to toss his hat into the ring and he kept waiting and waiting and at the last minute he declared himself as a candidate. Um, And then he just didn't really do anything. I mean, it seems like when you listen to Fred Thompson talk, when you see him give speeches, he just doesn't look like he wants to be there. He doesn't look well. No, he Uh, doesn't look well. He has lymphoma, first of all, uh, but... I think everyone's first reaction when uh, he was campaigning in Iowa for the first time was, oh, my God, he looks old, like really cadaverously old. 
He looks like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer monster. Yeah, he looks very, very ill. Yeah, no, no, he's um, the the virility that was promised. I didn't think quite uh, pan out, and uh, the fact that he was being driven around on a golf cart most of the time didn't uh, enhance that sort well, of when he was on Viagra fueled right. musk scented candidacy that was promised. Well, when he was on the campaign trail, he would just kind of disappear for several days. And by the way, he, he... And, you know, I mean, nobody in the media would talk to him. He wouldn't be out giving campaign speeches. That's not really what you want to do if you're you're seriously trying to win your party's nomination. You don't just do that. Yeah, and he's also very lazy when it comes to anything policy-wise. Like, he still calls Russia the Soviet Union, even though that collapsed, you know, uh, about 30 years ago. (laughs) He had no idea about the uh, national intelligence estimate about Iran's nuclear weapons. Mike Huckabee has the same problem. Uh, He has perennial foot and mouth disease when it comes to anything relating to foreign policy, like when Budo was assassinated. He had no idea that the state of emergency that Musharraf had imposed had been lifted about three weeks earlier. Uh, yeah, it, let's, let's, let's actually shift to Huckabee for a little bit because he's a fascinating candidate. He is a very fascinating candidate. And uh, yeah, and uh, we, we had talked about him for a while, too. Like, I remember I would say, oh, Huckabee, man, he might be a dark horse. Uh, he, he might be a fearful candidate in the general election. Uh, I will amend my prediction saying that, yes, he is a dark horse in the primary, but he would be a disaster in the general election. I would have to agree with that. Yeah. Um, um, he, would, he would be very good at rallying out the Republican base, uh, but he is just way too conservative on social issues, and he's not going to get um, moderate Democrats, conservative he's not Democrats. not going to get moderate Republicans. Or moderate Republicans, or independents, or anyone yeah um, except for evangelical christian yeah. republicans yeah uh, uh, but at the same day though uh, you know a lot of republicans really feel that they want their candidate to express their religious values well yeah and you know a lot of them will honestly say we don't care if he doesn't win the presidency in 2008 we just want somebody there who represents, represents us, us. Yeah. um and so that's why i find huckabee to be just a very, very fascinating person and why I think that he has a good chance of winning the Republican nomination. Yeah. Um, and it's very possible. Again, I'm making no predictions on the Republican side. I, I seriously have no idea how this thing's going to shake out. Pretty certain McCain's going to be the last man standing, but that's more gut level than any empirical evidence I can point to. Yeah, my, my gut feeling is that McCain is going to be the one that comes out of this. But uh, let's just sort of run down the ways that Huckabee would be a bloodbath for the GOP in the general. Um, <laughs> during one of the Republican debates, he and Sam Brownback were the only two people to raise their hands uh, when they said that they don't believe, believe in evolution. In evolution. Yes. Uh, we all saw how well Brownback did. Uh, God bless you, Sammy. Uh, uh, he wants to uh, completely... Kansas, represent. He wants to completely eliminate income tax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wants to like impose a 30% sales tax on everything. That's insane. Uh, I know. That's like that's punishing poor people. Well, there's not even a lot. A lot of economic conservatives don't even go that far. So yeah. I think that he's going to have a hard time even getting you yeah. know those kind of Republicans that support him in a general election. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, but uh, again, uh, some of his more um, outre positions. Uh, he has written in the past that he thinks AIDS is a plague from God. 
and that gay people with it should be quarantined. He has compared gay people to, uh, he's compared homosexuality, bestiality, and uh, other forms of moral degeneracy. Um, And also it should be noted that he had a bit of a corruption problem when he was governor of Arkansas. (laughs) The most entertaining one was when he and his wife got a like super duper marriage like they renewed their vows in a covenant marriage they actually registered at target and would accept gifts from uh anybody in arkansas (laughs) for their remarriage that's right and uh, he also oh and then the other sort of really bizarre one is that he pardoned a rapist he actually has like romney's been hitting him hard on uh the clemency thing kind of like uh, how Willie Horton was an issue for Dukakis. Um, he, one guy that Huckabee pardoned in particular, it's a very convoluted and strange story. There is a, a, a dude who raped Bill Clinton's second cousin. <laughs> and he went to jail, and there was an intense lobbying effort on the part of GOP commentators and uh, right-wing radio talk show hosts saying that this guy was innocent and that it was all a railroad job by the Clintons because, you know, he dared to, like, have consensual sex with Clinton's second cousin and that Clinton put him in jail just as retribution and that he should be pardoned. And Huckabee did pardon him. And Huckabee, even though he denied it, it's come out that Huckabee did lobby the parole board to get this guy out of jail. Right. So this this rapist who was convicted by a jury, you now Bill Clinton didn't magically put him in jail. You know he was convicted in a court. Right, right. Uh, so Huckabee pardons him, and then this guy he, kills two people. Yeah, he rapes he gets, and kills two people when he gets out of jail. Yeah, um, yeah. That was that was a huge issue, and yeah, he was getting blasted even from a lot of very conservative um, Republicans on this. Yeah. So. So Huckabee has, while he has this sort of, you know, avuncular, neighborly, you know, friendly, hip pastor vibe, you know, he plays bass and, you know, he kind of looks like uh, he belongs in Mayberry, Uh, very non-threatening, easygoing candidate, you know, quick-witted, he's got some uh, little bon mots he's ready to toss out every now and again. He actually has a very hardball, dark political edge to him and his anti-Clintonism while he was in Arkansas as part of that. Like, he believes in, like, all those weird-ass conspiracy theories that Clinton killed Vince Foster and all that crap. Uh, so, yeah, okay. Long and short of it, Huckabee uh, would be really, really bad in the general. Like, uh, not a good idea. No, I, I would completely agree with that. Yeah. But he might be, you know... He might be the man that best represents the Republican ideals. Represent. Um, he used to be a big fat ass, too. You know. Yes. Yes. He has uh, diabetes, as a matter of fact, as a result of his weight problem. Right. Uh, and he lost a lot of weight. He did. He's got a lot of that weird, saggy skin that formerly mm-hmm. fat people have right. that you just kind of have to, like, tie off in a knot. <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of have to, like, uh, wrap a rubber band around and hope that it falls off like an umbilical cord or Glenn Beck's hemorrhoid. Right. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Glenn Beck's hemorrhoid as much as possible. Um, okay, so that's Huckabee on the GOP side. And then you got Romney. Romney. Well, and I still haven't really quite figured out Romney. Nobody knows where Romney stands on anything. All he does, he, he's one of the most flagrant, um, hollow, 
uh, conniving politicians I've ever seen. Like he has no core whatsoever. No, he nobody doesn't. knows what he stands for. At well, all, and except what he stands tax for, cuts. Well, and what he stands for now is completely different yeah. than what he stood for when he was the governor. Whatever of will get him elected, wherever he's running um, for office, that's what he stands because for. Because let, let's not forget that this was the uh, pro-choice, pro-gay rights governor from Massachusetts who was, you know, uh, at very best, an extremely moderate Republican, if not more of a conservative Democrat than anything else. Mm. Now, on the other hand, he <laughs> apparently doesn't like gays anymore. Mm-hmm. He, um, but I guess, isn't pro-choice anymore. I don't know. You know, you know, he just kind of on the campaign trail yeah. just sort of decided that he was going to change that. Um, and I'm actually kind of surprised that he has as strong a support that he does with all of his flip-flopping. You would think that the Republicans would not really put up with that. It's because he looks good on TV. That's seriously why he's doing as well as he is right now. He, I don't know. He has the Ronald Reagan hair and these sort of chiseled good looks of uh, Dan Quayle, I guess. I'm trying to think of a sex symbol on the GOP side. It's kind of hard to find one. Um, and... He has a lot of money. Uh, he was a, a successful CEO, and that's good enough for the people that bankroll the GOP. So they've thrown their weight behind him because Buy they know that he's going to be good on you know, uh, tax policy and basically handing out more money to them. Uh, well, but, yeah, yeah. And, and that is really the only issue that I, I clearly know where he stands is taxes. Yeah. He dances around every other issue. Iraq is a perfect example. Uh, Foreign policy in general is a perfect example. You have no idea where this guy stands. Every single time he talks, he seems to have different ideas of what we need to do in Iraq with foreign policy. And he never really answers any questions. He doesn't have any plans. He doesn't have any knowledge. You know, I don't know. Yeah. uh, But again, he has a lot of money, and he just sort of oozes uh, Ken doll charm, this sort of plasticine, pleasant, Aussie and Harriet sort of vibe. That might be the magical Mormon underwear translating uh, into you know good media coverage. I'm not sure. Uh, He's a fucking Mormon for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah, and that's why that's that's actually one of they're the- weird. I'm sorry if any of our <laughs> listeners out there are Mormon. If you are, you're crazy. Okay, that's it. Although, guy, you know what? Uh, I will. I will. I, don't, so I will temper Aaron's comments by saying, "I don't. Don't feel to. bad, Mormons. Scientologists are weirder than you, but not by much. It's kind of neck and neck. But I would. I would. I mean, is Tom Cruise Mormon? No. No. See, Scientology's weird. Well, I don't want Mitt Romney in his special underwear anywhere near the White House. <laughs> He's not going to get anywhere. Near. Mitt Romney is the candidate. And, okay, again, polls, especially on the national level, are just horribly unreliable. But as an indicator of uh, sort of zeitgeist, uh, Mitt Romney polls the worst out of all of the major contenders in a head-to-head with all of the Democratic candidates. Like, even Hillary, as divisive as she is, is shellacking him in the the state-by-state polling. Uh, So he would be, I think, I don't know, there's, there's no good candidate for the GOP. McCain would come close, but McCain's – well, first of all, his age is going to be an issue. Well, and he has said, too, that if he wins president, that he's only going to be there for one term. <laughs> he couldn't which, really – Which is what – which I find very, very interesting. I mean you're essentially saying 
that you know I'm, I'm too old give, to serve two right, terms, and I'm going to give up after four years. Yeah, and anything that I start within my first term. Um, if it's good and you like it, I'm not going to be around to continue it for four more years. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be uh, that's going to be a very interesting issue that is going to come up later on in the Republican primary, but I also think in the general election. Um, he's 72. He, he would, would be, be the, the oldest, oldest man, to man take ever office. elected. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, he is the guy. I mean, if the Republicans want to win in 2008. Yeah, that's true. He is the person that can get it done. I'm not sure if anybody else can. Yeah. Giuliani uh, might be able to win, but I don't think that he's uh, even going to come close to winning the Republican nomination. He at this might point. come close. I, he, I really don't think he's going to. But I think they had a choice between Giuliani and McCain. I think yeah. is what it yeah. came down to. Yeah. And I think they picked they picked McCain, or at least at this point, it seems like uh, they were picking McCain. Yeah. Although you over know what, Giuliani, Romney might end up being Romney's. Complete overwhelming tsunami of bullshit might be enough to blind the GOP electorate into saying, oh, you know, he at one point said something that I agree with because he said everything on every position. Right. There's, it's like a buffet. You can sort of like pick and choose from Romney's positions. Right. And he might be just so brazen in lying about what he believes. It might work. I mean, it it's, worth, it's worth for Bush, you know, the past seven years. Right. So. Uh, and oh well, God, and then years. there's you know, then there's Fred Thompson, yeah, and you know, a lot of conservative Republicans, for whatever reason, still <laughs> love this guy. Even though I, why? And he has he's like a, a really I, you know well, lackluster we were, career as in the Senate from Tennessee. He used to actually lobby on behalf of an abortion rights group. Um, he's he's lazy. He has no achievements whatsoever. I, know, I don't get it. But they still – they love him. I, they do. Right. There's a huge chunk of him. He was fantastic in Die Hard too, though. <laughs> we keep coming back to that, and I really think that they just need to play clips of him in Die Hard 2 and The Hunt for Red October. Oh, over and he was and over fantastic again. in yeah. The Hunt for Red October, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, That's, that was some leadership in The Hunt for Red October. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but uh, if he wins South Carolina, I mean, watch out. I mean, he's – He's got just as good a chance yeah. as anybody else if he went South Carolina. That's true. Uh, although he, he and um, Giuliani are probably the two most hawkish neoconservative foreign policy uh, wonks. Uh, McCain supports the war in Iraq, and he did a joke about bombing Iran. But I, I, there is a part of me that thinks McCain would actually be fairly sensible in foreign policy. Uh, but I think Thompson and Giuliani have completely drank the neoconservative Kool-Aid and are ba- – they're basically – their candidacies are predicated upon taking it to the Arabs. Right. Like that's, that's the only reason that they still have – like their, their social positions are very far removed from where most of the GOP voters are. But they're promising to, you know, like keep fighting the war against global Islamo-fascist terrorism – and uh, you should be really scared, but at the same time, we'll keep you safe. But don't feel too safe. We want you to be scared enough that you want to vote for us, but we'll keep you safe. Are you scared yet? No, we're going to keep you safe. That's that's the shell game that Ju- uh, Giuliani and Thompson are using right now, just well, the terrorism think, card. Well, and I think that that's one of the reasons why Giuliani is not really doing so well at this point, why he's kind of fallen off the radar. 
Um, because people just, as you said, I mean, it's going to be a continuation of George Bush, too. And yeah. a lot of people don't want that. Now, I think Fred Thompson is a little different. I think a lot of his support comes from more social conservatives. Um, you know, so I think that there's really a couple of reasons why he is doing, why he still has people that support him. But yeah, Giuliani, I, I just, I honestly, I think he's dead. I really do. I mean, he has done nothing, has been nothing but a free fall for him over the last six months. I mean, it looked at one point like he was going to be the next president of the United States, bar none. I mean, he had this huge amount of support. Uh, But then people really kind of started looking at his views and really looking at him and realizing that the only reason that he's popular whatsoever is because he kind of stayed calm on September 11th. (laughs) Other than that, that, he hasn't done anything. Uh, Yeah, we've talked about his record as mayor uh, and how – Everyone seems to forget that he was uh, the one in charge uh, and um, in some ways was responsible for September 11th being as bad as it was, uh, which the firefighters union uh, still blames him for and loathe him for. Uh, But Giuliani is a creepy, sex-obsessed, cross-dressing fascist. He's like J. Edgar Hoover. (laughs) I'm serious. There's more photos of this guy in drag than me at Mardi Gras. You know, uh, the, <laughs> and he has a very liberal record on gay rights, on gun control. Like he's loathed in the South because, as mayor, he was so tough on uh, cracking down on guns. Well, no, the immigration issue has been hurting him as well, too. Well, and McCain, McCain's. McCain's candidacy was almost – yeah, uh, immigration was supposed to be like the great clarion call savior for uh, Republicans. You know, uh, terrorism and al-Qaeda was kind of losing saliency um, and losing traction. They were finding it harder to scare people about uh, Islamo-fascist terrorism. Uh, so they said, oh, Mexicans, Mexicans, we finally found some people can be scared of again. Uh, didn't work for them in 2006. It's not getting them any traction right now. Uh, in fact, I think the one issue that's going to supplant everything, even Iraq, is the economy, because we're going into recession as we speak uh, under well, George not, Bush's watch. Uh, not according to George Bush. Well, yeah, no, we're doing fine. Economy's doing fine. We're going to release a stimulus package. Door, nothing to panic about. You know, just a little, we're just going to drop a little chunk of change right, in there. Right. Door. It's like throwing a coin in a wishing wheel. You know, <laughs> don't pay no attention to it. Uh, economy's fine. However, really uh, try not to drive anywhere. Uh, conserve some gas. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you got uh, any canned goods, I'd well, stock up on those. Right. And I love how Bush is over in Saudi Arabia right now. Just pretty just much getting, ass. getting on his knees and begging the Saudis yeah, at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's a completely other issue. <laughs> We're not going to get into that. No, but um, I, I think that there is no winning issue for the Republicans to run on. Iraq is... Uh, is you know despite, despite Petraeus's surge, um, you know violence is still just as bad over there. In fact, it's, it's uptaking in the past few weeks. Um, Iraq, even if it magically, you know, some sort of uh, Middle Eastern warmongering fairy waves a wand, and all of a sudden Iraq turns into you know uh, Paris in the Middle East. Um, uh, People have already decided it was a bad idea to go there, and it was a huge disaster, no matter if the violence is slightly down right now. So they can't run on Iraq. Uh, well, and that there's really no solution whatsoever to win, yeah. um, and that 
pulling out is going to be very difficult as well. Mm-hmm. So there, it's really a lose-lose situation yeah. on, on regardless of how you look at Iraq. Yeah. And immigration uh, is a loser. Uh, it fires up like the 24% that still support Bush right now, but that's right. about it. Uh, and in fact, is going to do such long-term electoral damage to the GOP by alienating every Mexican immigrant in this country, which is going to emerge as the majority in the next decade. Uh, so that long-term, that's a, that's a loser and short-term loser. Um, tax cuts. That's been the economic that, policy for Bush. Yeah, and that, that again, might be that might be the one issue that Republicans can sort of get support in. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Grant, I mean, everybody likes tax cuts, right. but um, that didn't work. <laughs> well, the problem is, it's it's one thing to have tax cuts; it's another thing to give out billions of dollars in tax cuts when uh, government spending is at an all time high yeah. and our deficit is at an all time high. Yeah. Borrowing money from China, uh, blowing most of it in Iraq, uh, giving away a lot of money to multinational oil companies and plutocrats, um, eliminating the estate tax so that Paris Hilton gets even wealthier. Right. Um, yeah, the economic policies of George W. Bush are, again, one of his many failures. Right. Yeah. And so the GOP can't run on that. I don't know what they can run on. I really have no idea. It, you know, it, this is going to sound really crass. But the only thing that they'll be able to run on is if we have another terrorist attack on American soil. And that probably won't happen. Yeah, and even if it does, I think people are going to blame George Bush. Yeah, I think another terrorist attack would actually be more damaging to the yeah. Republicans than it would be helpful. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what their their major issues are going to be. I mean, I, I think that a lot of Republicans feel that they're going to preach old-school Republican ideals Cutting government spending, cutting taxes, being an economic hawk, essentially. Yeah. Um, I think that's what I think you're seeing McCain do a lot of that. And I, I think that's what the Republicans are ultimately going to have to run on in 2008. Yeah. McCain is, even though he does have some slightly moderate positions on the environment, on campaign finance reform, uh, he's otherwise extraordinarily conservative senator. Now, I, I think a lot of people who support him who are Democrats and moderates don't realize exactly how lockstep he is with most Republican issues. Right. He's uh, very pro-life. Uh, he's very hawkish, and especially on Iraq. He's still saying, oh, Iraq's working. And I was the only guy who was supporting it. And it's true. He was the only one that was supporting it through thick and thin. Although well, this he is... was backpedaling a lot when right. everything went to fuck in the first, you know, uh, three years. Well, this, is what's, well this is what's helping McCain as well, too. He's saying, I always said we needed more troops in Iraq. Yeah. I said that, you know, what we always needed was a surge. Yeah. And now he, of course, can claim, well, we're starting to see results. Yeah. Like you were saying, yeah. I am right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think that could could be a winner for him. I'm not, you know, I'm now I'm not sure. Obviously, a uh, a lot of that's going to have to we're going to have to wait and see how Iraq um, sort of plays out over the next year, um, whether you know violence increases or decreases. Um, but that that could be an issue that McCain can kind of pick up on and, and run with. Yeah. Um, but I think it's I, I really think that the Republicans, as I've already stated, it's going to come down to the economy. Um, And they're going to preach old school Republican economic policies, even though those are what got us into this mess to begin with. Unless uh, unless. Okay, okay, fiscal sanity. 
balance budgets. But right. you know who balanced budgets? Bill Clinton. <laughs> right, right. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying this is what the Republicans are going to run. I'm yelling at the uh, fictitious, uh, non-existent Republican that's sitting in the room that believes that claptrap. Right. Um, not you. Don't worry. Okay, so Aaron, let's make a, just a big, sweeping, baseless prediction. Who's going to be president this year? <laughs> Who's going to be president January of next year? I firmly believe that Hillary Clinton will ultimately get the Democratic nomination. Um, I, I just think she's too good of a politician. I think she's she's got the money. She has support. She's got the experience. I think at the end of the day, she's going to win. I think it's going to be hard, and it could come down to the um, you know it could come down to the end between her and Obama. But I think ultimately she gets the Democratic nomination. I think with the Republican side, you know, it's just. It's for me. I'm not even sure if I can predict who's going to win. I mean, my gut feeling tells me that McCain's going to win, but you know, I don't know. Um, I think Huckabee has a very, very good chance. Uh, I think that you know, at the end of the day, a lot of Republicans are going to vote for him because of the religious issue and the social conservative issues. Yeah. Um, but I will boldly predict. Yes. Uh, that. Fred Thompson will be the comeback kid <laughs> and win the Republican nomination. Going out on that jowly limb there. That's right. Okay. I, I don't really mean that, by the way. <laughs> Jug it. No, I, again, you know what? It could happen. My gut feeling, McCain, uh, but I still think that it's, for me, it's almost uh, too early to make a prediction. Uh, I think after Super Tuesday, we'll know a little more on uh, where the Republicans stand. Okay. Uh, those are your predictions. Let me now. Just throw out my my prediction, my prognostication about uh, the end game. I think that Hillary Clinton is going to be our first black president. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I have no fucking idea what's going to happen. Uh, I try again. I tried to make predictions for New Hampshire, and like virtually everything fell apart, and so I'm I'm out of that business. I'm out of the crystal ball business, except when I get drunk and start yelling at traffic. Right. Then I'll be saying, I know what's going to happen. And then we'll record that, and we'll put that up as a podcast. But Aaron, what doesn't suck this week? So you're not even going to give us a, a prediction at all. I'm I saying, uh, okay, okay. I, I am saying right. Hillary, and I'm saying Fred Thompson. <laughs> okay, I, okay, okay. I, I think it's going to be Obama and McCain. You think uh, Obama? I think Obama's going to pull it out. I think that in the end, he's going to make a more compelling argument about his electability. And uh, also, he's got this this movement swelling around him that I haven't ever seen in my lifetime. It's very similar to like a, what I hear like JFK and RFK uh, and MLK, <laughs> where like all the Ks. Um, and... I think that it's just going to get bigger, and I think that everybody are going to want an absolute clean break from the Bush-Clinton sort of hegemony that we've had for the past you know 20-odd years, whatever it is. And I think Obama is going to be a transformational candidate, actually. I think he has the potential to completely alter the political landscape of this country, and I think he's going to be uh, president of the United States. I don't disagree with anything you just said, yes, but, but I still don't you know think what? that he is going to ultimately win. While well, well, I think that's going to happen, anything else can happen with right. equal amounts of assurance. So, uh, again, that's just my prediction. I think that's how it's going to shake out. Okay. I, think, I think if you put a Obama up against a McCain, you have this young, 
um, you know, uh, motivational guy uh, who's promising a new kind of politics and he's getting, you know, young people excited in politics and he's getting independents and, and Republicans and all the Democrats fired up. And you put him against this wrinkled, melanoma ridden old man who's promising more war in the Middle East. And I think Obama just sweeps the table. OK, my prediction. We'll see. Just my prediction. Um, any third party candidates out there that could ruin the party for either side? Uh, yeah. Uh, Mike Bloomberg. Can you can you feel the excitement? <laughs> there's well, a there's a little summit they had in Oklahoma of all places. Yeah, yeah. If you really want to build, you know, uh, a, a a movement, uh, you that, start you, right. Yeah, you start right. in some uh, yeah, Oklahoma. And I'm sorry if we have any Oklahoma listeners, but Oklahoma, I've long asserted, is the anus of the United States. It is. It is the. <laughs> it's up there with. It's up there with Alabama. Put it that way. <laughs> uh, but okay. Uh, well, some people think Ron Paul might run as an independent. This has got to be a completely different podcast. Like um, I, I can go I off know. on Ron Paul for a long time, uh, and I recommend actually people listening look to the Lawrence.com blogs. I have posted one uh, with my feelings about Ron Paul and also the long list of incredibly racist, vile things that he has written or has been written in his name and also the positions that he has taken that are well outside of the mainstream and not just the mainstream, well outside of sanity. So look for the Lawrence.com blog titled, Sorry, Well-Intentioned Hippies, Ron Paul is a Crazy Bastard. Yeah, and I find it so... Interesting that all of these, you know, sort of liberals are, are supporting him. Yeah. I, I just I don't understand it at all. They haven't done any research. They just see that he might want to legalize pot, and he also opposes the Iraq, Iraq war. war. That's yeah. it. They haven't dug any deeper when he's talking about ninety five percent of Washington D.C.'s black men are criminals, or that uh, black people are very hard to catch because they run fast, uh, or that um, AIDS is a conspiracy. That's concocted by a shadowy organization of Jews to taint our blood supply. Uh, the man's genuinely off his rocker. And again, I go read uh, the blog on uh, Lawrence.com under Punditocracy, and it's all laid out there for you. His own words, his own voting record. The m- again, we we might do an entire podcast on Ron Paul in the future, but uh, <laughs> please. Christ, people, if you if you consider yourself progressive or you consider yourself humane or you consider yourself pro-logic and rationality, don't support this man. I'm begging you. <laughs> but anyway, right. uh, again, that could be a whole other podcast. Doesn't suck, Aaron. Um, the American Gladiator. You son of a bitch! Are back in I'm, full oh, force. I'm going to, oh, I'm like and wolf. That, I'm going to eat you. That does not suck. It is absolutely fantastic. That was mine. <laughs> and, um, you know, my argument is is that uh, the American Gladiators should have never been taken off the air to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is back now. And I could, not, I could not be more happy. Yes. We'd like to thank the Writers Guild of America for striking and yes. allowing the show yes, yes. <laughs> to fill the void. <laughs> no, it's um, – I, there's, there's no reason why I should enjoy this show. Like, um, you know, there's, it has so much working against it. Uh, it's mostly scripted. It has some of the worst, corniest one-liners coming from both the gladiators and the contestants. It's um, it's hosted by Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, again, it has so many strikes against it. Well, they it. really should have brought Larry Zonka back. 
You know, that was my favorite American Gladiator commentator. <laughs> you really are an American Gladiators connoisseur. Dude, I have been watching American Gladiators since, uh, really since the first season. Uh, when I was a kid, I would always wait up on Saturday nights and uh, watch American Gladiators. What is it, like ESPN 42 or whichever numbered ESPN it is? Don't they show reruns of American Gladiators? Yes, um, uh, ESPN Classic. Classic, yes. yes yeah, show, that's classic. Uh, old school American Gladiators. <laughs> So um, if you can't get your American Gladiators fix with the new episodes on NBC, look to uh, ESPN Classics because they're a classic. I will also say another thing that doesn't suck. Yes. Um, and even though I haven't seen the movie yet, I can only assume that the new Rambo movie is <laughs> going to absolutely kick fucking ass. You know what it's got to do? It's got to pwn. It's totally going to pwn. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> – I mean, Sylvester Stallone – uh, this man injected himself with more human growth hormone than all of the New York Yankees combined to film this movie. And for that reason alone, that sacrifice that he made, it's gonna be people need it. to see it. Yes. It's going to pay off. Yes. Because uh, right, it's going to be one hell of a movie. It's going to be violent as shit. Yes. Lots of machetes, lots of arrows piercing skulls. It's, you know what? If, if, if Rambo... Uh, First Blood Part Two won us the Vietnam War back in the eighties, sort of posthumously. Right. I think Rambo is going to win us the Iraq War. That's a bold prediction. I, yeah, uh, we're going to have our first black president, and Sylvester Stallone is going to win the Iraq War. Those are my two bold predictions. Well, for this week. he um, he Sylvester Stallone did win the Cold War mm-hmm. with Rocky Four. Exactly. He's uh, won all of our wars for us. Come to yes. think of it. <laughs> World War Two, <laughs> that was uh, that was thanks to his cameo in Woody Allen's Bananas. Oh, I, when he's the thug on the subway, mm-hmm. I forgot about that. <laughs> Korean War, that was one because of Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but he really did seriously win the Vietnam War, and he did seriously <laughs> win the Cold War. Okay, no, it's very true. Because when he knocked out Drago. Yeah. I mean, that was it. Communism was dead after that. <laughs> Spanish-American War. And, and not too long after he knocked out Drago in that movie, the Berlin Wall fell. Uh, coincidence? I think not. I think not. No. <laughs> oh, I've been waiting 20 years for another Rambo movie. <laughs> If you wait long enough, American Gladiators comes back and Rambo, Rambo comes, comes back. back. Well, and you know, you Rambo, know, I think we are actually on the dawn of a new chapter in America. We'll I, have our first black president. So. <laughs> Rambo is winning wars for us again. I think that we may finally see a reversal of the backslide. I, I, I think I think American dominance is going to continue. We will remain the world's lone superpower thanks to Sylvester Stallone reviving '80s franchises. That would be fantastic. If he makes a sequel to Over the Top, I, th- oh, I think God. I think it's got to be a new Pax Americana. If there was a sequel to Over the Top, I might have Winners take it all. Losers take another, it another just fantastic classic Stallone movie. Yeah, and it, it will have the side benefit of reviving Sammy Hagar's solo career as right, well. Right. Well, it'll pull him out of quasi retirement as a tequila uh, connoisseur, right? And put him back in the forefront of. Right. Uh, you know what? If we had Sammy Hagar as a cultural ambassador, we'd win the war on terror. Right. 
Yeah. Well, and Sylvester Stallone also going back to Rambo. He has to make up for Rambo 3. Yeah, which actually caused, caused 9-11. <laughs> so <laughs> Stallone has is, is really been He's very the- influential <laughs> in our history. Because <laughs> he... <laughs> He actually fought alongside the Taliban in Rambo Yeah, he 3, did. So. <laughs> He's got some splaining to do. <laughs> well, uh, I'm willing to overlook Rambo 3. It was a mistake. We all make mistakes. Yes, yes. Uh, like Bridget Nielsen. Right. It was a mistake. Okay. All right, we've, uh, rub- we've, we've rambled yeah, on yeah. way too much about uh, Stallone. But it's been, it's been real, Aaron. We've actually recorded a punditocracy again. I know. And I think that we might potentially, possibly, perhaps be back on a semi-regular schedule. If uh, I figure out how to do these for my computer in California, maybe. Yes, yes. We'll, we'll figure something out. But in the meantime, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, this has been Gavin, along with Aaron Wiley. Say, say thanks to the people. Uh, thanks, people. <laughs> I know, you know, it's all six of you out there. Yeah, I know. Mm, that half dozen, though, is, it's a quality half dozen. Right. Uh, if anyone would like to uh, contact us, feel free to leave comments on lawrence.com. Visit our MySpace page, www.punditocracy.com. Backslash we need MySpace. More, oh, we need yeah. more online friends. Yes, yes. Hey, Colin Cleanse and Gay Jesus, while they are good friends, quality friends, we're looking for quantity now. So, yeah, www.myspace.com backslash punditocracy. Look for the naked Mark Mangino. Uh, oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about boy, that. Boy, that is a really, really disturbing <laughs> picture. I'd like Mark to thank Mangino. my shout-out to my brother, Darren Lessig, uh, who's a genius when it comes to making disgusting things. Almost weirdly adorable. Um, but, again, everyone, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been real. Bye-bye.